in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. And welcome to the show. We're back and plenty of stuff to talk about. BG and Zach joining on the phone this week. Um, fellas, let's jump right into some Vikings. We haven't officially potted since the official hiring uh, of our new head coach, Kevin O'Connell. And now we basically have a full, uh, not a full staff yet, but we got a defensive coordinator, an assistant coach, a QB's coach. Uh, and then Wes Phillips today was named the offensive coordinator, um, the son of Wade Phillips. Um, so plenty to talk about there. Let's. I think we should start obviously with KOC coming off the Super Bowl victory with the LA Rams. He worked with Kirk Cousins in Washington, uh, I think for just one year as the QB coach, and then he got upgraded to the passing game coordinator. And then in 2019, Kevin O'Connell was the offensive coordinator of the Washington, uh, the Washington Commanders. Now I was going to say the Washington Football Team. Uh, but he has worked with Kirk before. I think that's very promising. And if we can get Kirk to take a pay cut, I think that's what we've talked about uh, really all offseason. Then I think it's very viable to bring him back, and this can be a, a winning football team right away. And that was kind of echoed in the press conference of KOC and even ownership speaking before Kevin O'Connell did, uh, was saying we're not rebuilding. I think this is like the third or fourth year in a row now where the Vikings could potentially rebuild, but they just decide – we're going to keep throwing our, our chips back in like, like the Rams did. I mean, we're not giving away all of our first-round picks for the next three years, but they're going to try to win and win now. BG, is that possible for this team, or do they have too many holes to fill? I think it's definitely possible. Um, there are some definite holes to fill, like you said, on the offensive line and in our uh, defensive secondary. But I'm with Kevin O'Connell, and – uh, I forget if his name is Quezzy, the GM. Quezzy. Um, Quezzy, yeah. I, I I agree with those guys that there's too much talent on this team to throw it away right now. We've got Kirk, who I think is in the better half of quarterbacks for sure in the league. We've got one of the best running backs in the league, one of the best receivers in the league, a pretty damn good second receiver as an option with Thielen. And then we've got some key guys on our defensive end. If we can just stay healthy, like Daniil Hunter, um, and get Eric Hendricks and a couple guys back. So I think it's the right decision for them to want to keep um, going with the roster we have instead of rebuilding. And I really like that Kevin O'Connell came out and said that Kirk is our guy, um, which I'm hoping that he would have done because I just don't think we have a a better option in free agency with Kirk. And we've talked about it plenty of times over and over again. But I think when Kirk has those correct pieces around him and he has a great offensive line and he's not coming down – or down two possessions trying to win a game. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I definitely think the the building pieces are there. We just have to cover a few holes on the offensive line, I believe, and in the secondary. And uh, I think for sure we can be a contender if guys stay healthy. And it'd be great if, if Kirk could take a pay cut um, so we could get some better players in those those gaps that we have currently. Yeah, he says he likes living in Minnesota and he doesn't. he wants to finish his career out here, but if he really – means that then i think he needs to take a pay cut uh and extend at least some of that money down the road so we can sign some players around him because with the amount of money he's going to make next season like like 42 million 
or 42 and a half million or something like that against the cap. No way. Uh, as of right now, I mean, there's potential 42, that they, is that, what, is, is that what it is right now? Yeah. That's, it's, it's ridiculous. That's what I'll make, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you can't pay your quarterback that much money. If his name is not Aaron Rodgers or, or Patrick Mahomes, because you're not going to have enough money to spread around around the rest of the guys. And that's just simply the kind of the, the, the problem we've run into with Kirk, at least from my point of view. So if he's not willing to take that pay cut, uh, you got to trade him. If you can get good value for him, at, at least that is. And I think you will be able to. It sounds like the Carolina Panthers today. And, and this was reported by uh, Judd of Score North, and he's not the most accurate reporter, in my opinion. He has He's very anti-Kirk and anti like Vikings, he's just like the uh, the anti Minnesota Minnesota talk show host. Or that's what he was. I think he has just a podcast now. But he reported that the Panthers apparently made a call to the Vikings today uh, in search of Kirk Cousins' potential trade. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, there's there's been some rumors with Cleveland as well, um, and, and even San Francisco a little bit. So if we can get really good value for Kirk and you can offload that contract, especially if he's not willing to take a pay cut, I think that would be the first step of how you approach him this offseason. Take a pay cut. Let's extend you. Let's build some pieces around you. I mean, he's made $100 million plus now in the NFL. Like, it's enough money. Let's just now try to win a championship in Minnesota. And I did see, speaking of championships in Minnesota, Dalvin Cook, uh, I don't know if it was at the Pro Bowl or just over the weekend, but he said he was guaranteeing that Justin Jefferson and him We'll bring a Super Bowl to Minnesota. So now we're almost guaranteed to never win a Super Bowl. So thanks, Dalvin <laughs> Cook, for that. Yeah. Uh, Zach, yeah. Or go ahead, BG. I was just going to say quick, I think I didn't hear about the what, the Panthers you said about yep. the potential trade. Yep. Yeah, I, did, I didn't hear about that. I think it'd be exciting just to see what offers they have as well as other teams in the NFL. Um, like I've heard the Deshaun Watson name getting thrown around there, which is a different topic. Um, which obviously if you didn't have those um, problems off the field, I've been super excited. Um, Still just looking at it with a a half full uh, kind of mentality, a half full glass. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know how realistic that is. And if all his legal troubles going to get sorted out next year, but I hope that we, we don't rush into a deal. I think Kirk is getting paid a lot, but, um, I understand that it's a quarterback's market and I really don't want to just get rid of them to get rid of them. I, I hope that if we do, it's definitely worth it with draft picks or compensation because I, it's, I think it's going to be a tough time finding a quarterback that's better than them in free agency. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I did see that after the Deshaun, that was last week, I want to say that news was kind of circulating that Deshaun, he had one other team that he listed too. The oh, box. The box, okay. Uh, and that was actually a, a false rumor, according to his agent, um, who said they haven't had talks with anybody about anything. Uh, and, and that's kind of the, the nature of this time of year. It's a lot of agents leaking stuff to certain press members or certain press members on behalf of, of organizations making you know claims of trade rumors and whatnot. And sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. So you just kind of yeah. wait and sort through all that. Um, you guys want to talk a little NBA, a little T-Wolves chatter? Yeah. 31 and 28, seventh in the West, two and a half games back of Denver at the All Star break, where Cat just won the three point contest. We can talk about that too. But uh, before the All Star break, I was at the game against Toronto the night after. Uh, it was basically a sold out crowd, uh, the, sh- the win against Charlotte in overtime. 
not nearly as big of a crowd. I would say it was probably 65, 70% full, so still pretty good. And everyone did stand up uh, until the first point was scored uh, in salute, I guess, to D'Angelo Russell saying we had some quiet-ass fans in Minnesota. So it was a great crowd. They ended up losing the game. They didn't really play that good. And the excuse now that's kind of getting very old is we were tired. And that's I think they've lost now uh, like 29. I'll have to look this up. But a ridiculous amount of back-to-back games. It's unbelievable the number of back-to-back games that the Wolves have lost at the second game of a back-to-back, I should say. Um, and they got one coming up on Friday. So... We'll see maybe another lock for for the T-Wolves to lose against Philadelphia at home. But the excuse that that this team is tired, and I think they're one of the youngest teams in the league. I don't know if that's getting old to you, BG and Zach, but to me it's like we got all these young stars playing against a lot of times older, much older NBA stars, and and we're complaining that we're tired because we're playing back-to-back games. Everybody plays back-to-back games. If they really want to get out of this seventh seed, and get into the sixth seed, overtake Denver, then they're going to have to just shut up with that that we're tired crap because that gets so old, especially when there's a nearly full building on a second night of a back-to-back at home where the, the first night the place was going crazy. They come out flat. They play terrible defense. They didn't shoot the ball. Beasley still can't shoot, and they end up going into the all-star break on a losing, just a one-game losing streak, but still a losing streak. Your thoughts on the T-Wolves, either BG or Zach? Zach, go right ahead. All right. Uh, I think it's pretty crazy that we've got a, um, a only two and a half, or that we're only two and a half back of Denver. Um, you know, given the beginning of the season, how it looked, I know Denver, were, they were going to be missing Murray for a while. Um, I don't know when he's coming back, but the, the injuries they've had to deal with, it, it's, um, I guess we're talking about the T-Wolves here. They, uh, it, it's just cool. I think we're, we're in a good spot. And even if we take the seven seed or we take the eight seed, um, that's a hell of a hell of a season, and we got to be happy about that. The West is really hard. It's going to be hard for the next however long LeBron's in, and however long Jokic stays there, and Curry's, and you know, and you got Phoenix, you got uh, Luca, all those guys make the West so tough, and it's that's why it's so tough to break out of that six, seven, eight spot. Um, but I think we're looking, you know. We're looking great going into this last stretch of the regular season. I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest Timberwolves fan of all time, but I can tell you that I think we're, uh, you know, we we sneak sneak the eight seed or do I, are they doing nine seeds right now? How do all they, the way how up to ten. They're doing ten seeds. Yeah, just for a play, the playing games, and then the top eight will go. Gotcha. Yeah, I uh, I got a good feeling about them. I mean, if we get just rocked by the Suns or someone, I think it's a uh, I think it's a good step. It's a huge step in the right direction, making it back to the playoffs the first time since, you know, we made it, played Houston. And then before that, goodness knows how long it had been since we made the playoffs. So moving in the right direction. Um, and I'll toss this over to more knowledgeable basketball minds. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's exciting too, but I'm going to answer it a little less optimistic. I mean, it's obviously great that we're in the seventh seed. I watched the game against the Raptors that you're at Beal and just played atrociously. And like you said, did not play good against the Hornets, but it was nice to find a way to sneak out a win. And that's something I have noticed about this Wolves team this year is 
there's games that we still win when we play bad, and that has never really been true uh, for the Timberwolves in our life, where you got to play really good and have stuff fall your way to get a win, where uh, we come out and play not so great, shoot not so great, and we can still find a win. That's definitely something positive, but um, I think that we're pretty much locked in to the seventh or eighth seed, just looking at our schedules. Uh, we can definitely make a push to get to that sixth seed and replace Denver, but um, we do have an easy stretch of like five or six games. But other than that, I think it's pretty rough. And the Clippers, who are kind of breathing on our neck, I think they have an easier schedule than us going forward. So I could see us uh, falling to the eighth seed before the playoffs, especially if we continue, continue to play um, not so great. But with that being said, I think <laughs> if we do end up in the seventh or eighth seed, um, it's all about done there. Uh, because we either play the Suns or the Warriors, which is a lot more intimidating than the Grizzlies as a three seed, who we've beaten by over 40 points this year. So, I mean, I think we really have to try and get that sixth seed with Denver. Uh, kind of like what you were saying, Zach. It's just impressive to say that we're two and a half games behind Denver when they have, like, Jokic and everybody they have. But I was just thinking about that the other day where, they don't have Jamal Murray. They haven't had him the whole year. They don't have Michael Porter Jr. Haven't had him the whole year. And meanwhile, we've pretty we've had a healthy year for the most part with Towns, Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell. Um, I think that we should be performing better than we are, being behind Denver and just above the Clippers, who haven't had Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for for most of the year. So, I mean, I'm happy where we're at. It'd be great if we could move up a spot in the standings, but. I think that this last stretch for the Wolves is is going to be is going to be tough, and I'm I'm hoping that we continue to play better than um, our record indicates right now because we have the talent and and the and the depth for it. So I'm excited to see where we end up, and I'll be rooting for the Wolves. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, 23 games left on the schedule. Is the All Star game for more basketball always this late in the season? Is it always with only like 25 games left? I feel like they usually keep it around the same spot. Okay. I think it is too. It just feels weird that already the majority of the season's already over. I mean, some teams have more games with COVID and whatnot, but the Wolves have 23 games left. They play at home on Thursday against Memphis and then the next night at home as well against Philadelphia, then on the road at Cleveland on Monday and Golden State back home on Tuesday. Uh, By the way, I did look up. I don't know where I heard this. I, I feel like it was on KFAN that they were saying something about like 29th consecutive uh, second and back-to-back loss, uh, back-to-back game loss. But that is not the case. This year we're 3-5. and five. I don't know. I'll have to look into that set. I tried to just Google search. I couldn't find anything. But the Wolves are bad on back-to-back games. They got two coming up uh, in the next 10 days or so. We'll see how they're feeling after the long all-star break. Did either of you catch Carl Anthony Towns in the three-point contest? Because I did not. I did not either. I just saw it on Twitter the yeah. day after. Seemed like he was shooting it pretty well. Um, I have no idea who else was even in that. Uh, Zach's got an earthquake going on over there. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. But anyway, Cat, three-point champion. Hopefully that doesn't uh, make him shoot a ton of threes now when he gets back to playing with the Wolves. But I could see that happening too. Oh, for sure. I was thinking about that. Like it's going straight to his head if it hasn't already to be the first center ever in the NBA history to win a three-point contest. And if he's not already parked out outside the three-point line as much as he is, he's going to even be there more now. 
Yep, definitely. I did see a stat. Actually, I heard it that uh, he's taken less attempts um, the last three seasons since I guess this is the least amount of three C shots since 2018, 2019 season um, on an average per game. So hopefully that uh, that stays there. But I could I could also see it going the other way. Uh, let's talk about the wild. Zach, I don't know how much wild you've been watching, but uh, wild won one the other night, seven three. Um, and now they're on a, a stretch in Canada where they're traveling across. They started the game, or they started the uh, four-game road trip on the, on the west side of Canada, and they're going to finish, or they're going to have two games then on the east side of Canada, and then they go back all the way over to the west side of Canada. Um, so a ton of miles going on the wild this week. We talked about their crazy schedule. They're basically playing a game every other night all the way till the end of the season. But as we sit right now, 31 and 12, 65 points, second in the West, um, Colorado out in front. They've also played a lot more games in the Wild. I think they've played close to, closer to 40 games, but Colorado has 76 points um, in first place. Zach, have you watched any Wild recently? And if you have, are you impressed with how they're playing? Yeah, I've been watching them a little bit. They are, it's it's awesome given the fact that, like we had mentioned before, they have a lot of games here and not so much time. And they've been, they've, it's coming from some unsuspect, unexpected, unsuspecting places. I think that's the, word, the right word. This, yeah. uh, this rookie, this Matt Boldy guy, I don't know if you guys heard about him. Oh yeah. He was making waves. I mean, he had a, I was watching the other night, he had a hat trick. Um, I think he had a, two goals within the first, I think two goals within halfway through the first period. Um, I mean, this, he's just, he's, he's at the right place at the right time. He's just a good physical presence to have there. And, and as, as a rookie, I mean, he's, I think he's having a biz, better statistical rookie season than Caprice I've had. Don't quote me on that. I think well, he's got um, like 15 points already. Yeah. And he's only, I think that's, he's probably played like 15 games, yeah. not even, um, it's exciting. Yeah. I think he just started playing like this January, uh, maybe a few games in December, but it's awesome, man. We're playing great. It's, it's good place to be. I know I'm, I'm fine with us not catching Colorado. Uh, the last thing Minnesota team needs is to be out front in the standings. And I think we're, we're a great, great, uh, or, I'm sorry. We have a great, great shot of, of going far in the playoffs. If we just keep playing our game and it's uh, Colorado, I think is they dropped one, Today, I think they dropped one. See, today, I think they lost, or yesterday, I can't remember. But, um, you know, it, it's it's possible. I mean, we could – I don't know if the Wild have ever snagged the, the one seed before. Um, but like I said, I think right where we are as a two seed going forward, we're playing hard, and we're playing – it's it's been uh, it's been fun to watch. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the playoffs, but I just got to hold my breath because it's just another Minnesota team going to the playoffs, having a good regular season. And that's just, we all know too well how that ends, but got to be optimistic about this one. They lot to, lot to be happy about. Yeah. It looks like Colorado lost uh, on Monday to Boston five to one. That must've been an early puck drop. Uh, Cause that one's already over. Uh, but yeah, while they did lose two games in, in a row or two, uh, I guess two out of our last three, we've lost to Winnipeg and then to Florida Panthers yeah, from what I understand are a great hockey team. We just didn't, play well at all yeah and that, that i i didn't catch the i caught the florida game uh there's so florida florida and tampa it's it sucks that the two probably two best hockey teams in the in the country or i guess the continent 
counting Canada. Besides, I know Colorado's very damn good, but Florida's got two of the best hockey teams, man. They are just unbelievable. And I don't, you know, it's all right. We, we lose to Florida right now. And, you know, obviously the only time we'd have to play them in the playoffs if we made the Stanley cup. Um, but it's very likely that either Tampa or, or, or Florida are going to, going to make the, make the cup again. <laughs> and I think yeah, state, of hockey. State, of <laughs> state of hockey, yeah. State of hockey. State of uh, hockey. But before we dropped the two out of three, I think we had one like it was like eight of ten or eight of nine, something like that. We were on a we were on a, a very good streak. Um, but yeah, if we can just make it out of Canada with a even record, I think we'll be in good shape. Um, not that Canada, there's a couple teams in Canada, and then we're we're at Ottawa tomorrow. Um, and then Toronto on Thursday. In Toronto, yeah, which is actually yeah east. Yeah, I definitely mixed up the east west thing there, but. They're yeah, they're travel. They have a ton of miles going on. Then they're back at for Calgary. Sure, for sure. So uh, yeah, that's that's gonna that's gonna wear on them for sure. But I think uh, you know I'm I'm optimistic. Yeah, they just hopefully go 500 in Canada. How many games they're playing, I'm not quite sure. And make it back home, and I don't know, finish out this regular season strong. It's it's gonna be a very exciting playoffs. That's for sure. Yeah, it looks like the next three games are an ESPN Plus BG, so we can be making good use of our ESPN Plus uh, dual subscription because I don't get to there watch many games on there. Um, I think I'm gonna need the account info again on that. <laughs> oh, I logged you out. I, I don't know if I ever got logged in. I tried once and it oh. didn't work. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. Um, anything else? Oh, I found a little stat today on the Wild. So they pulled their goalie uh, 19 times this season, or 19 different games. They have scored a league best 13 six on five goals in those situations. So wow. that's pretty good. I mean. Granted, they're not. There's so they scored 13 times. They pulled the goalie 19 times. There's probably been a few games where they've scored scored multiple goals in one game. But regardless, you're almost scoring every time you pull your goalie. That's pretty dang good. Um, they've given up 10, 10 empty net goals because that's the flip side of that. Uh, and I think that was some fans were maybe a little disappointed uh, about that in the or I guess maybe the players were. But Dean Evison addressed that in a press conference after the game against Florida. Um, for they pulled the goalie pretty early, I guess, and then gave up back-to-back empty net goals that basically put the game out of reach, um, and it gave a bunch of the players bad plus minuses. Like a bunch of them went from minus two to minus four because of those two empty net goals. And then Dean Evison had like a whole press conference about how they don't incentivize stats in their contracts, and that's how Billy G's been operating. They're a win and loss based statistical. Uh, contract team and so they don't worry about the like plus them. minus which i thought was cool yeah that's yeah, cool you don't hear about that much yeah kind of the opposite of what the vikings are doing now i guess with quasi and the uh analytics that that they're going to deploy but we'll see how it all turns out um plenty of other and, stuff to talk about go ahead yeah just quick off that i don't know if you guys have noticed this in the nba but a lot of the nba um contracts have incentives so like if you get a certain three point of, if you shoot 40% from three point during the season, you'll get an extra 50 grand. Well, you'll watch if you, if you're watching a game or if it's like the end of the first quarter and a player has the ball at like half court, they wait until the buzzer goes off and then shoots it. It's because of that. Cause yep. they don't want it to lower their three point percentage. Really? Oh man. That is, that's bad for the game. Yeah. Yep. I have noticed that quite. I mean, that happens quite a bit. I feel like, yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, if you got fifty grand on the line, one shot could be the difference of of thirty nine point nine percent and forty, you know, point oh. So 
I guess. Yeah, especially because you're going to make one out of 50 of those half quarter, three quarter, quarter shots. It's, yeah. Right. Yeah. That no, makes sense. Uh, okay. Some national news to get to. Uh, big stories. I mean, this is the big story right now. Jawan Howard, uh, who has just received a, it's basically a five game suspension. I think there's no five games left on the Michigan schedule. Uh, but he's been suspended for the rest of the regular season after a conflict with Greg Gard, head coach of Wisconsin, after Wisconsin thoroughly beat. I mean, it wasn't a, a beat down, but it won by like 17 of the Michigan Wolverines at Wisconsin. Uh, I guess Gard, uh, rather Howard, was mad about the, the timeout that Gard took with 50-some seconds left in the game. But to to Wisconsin's credit and to Greg Gard's credit, they were going to get most likely a back or a 10-second violation because there was only apparently four seconds left. So he calls the timeout. Jawan Howard gets all upset at the uh, shaking of hands after the game. Howard, who initially didn't even get into the handshake line, he was just kind of standing off to the side, then decided to get into the handshake line and has a confrontation with Greg Gard. They end up being a little pushing and shoving match, and then Jawan Howard, uh, like open-hand kind of slap pushes one of the assistant coaches who had run in from the Wisconsin sideline and in my opinion made the entire situation that much more intense and more guys were pushing and shoving and there are some Michigan guys throwing punches uh, there probably be at least two guys from what I was reading that will be suspended from Michigan as well uh, Greg Gard has been fined ten thousand dollars no suspension for him I thought that was the right decision I thought it was basically all started from from Juwan Howard I think Gard had his own element too, where he shouldn't have stopped Howard in the handshake line. So they were, they were going to hand to, to shake each other's hand. Guard was wanting to say something to Howard. Howard didn't want to hear it, and he was just kind of staring straight ahead, not even looking at him. And, and then Guard stopped him. And I think if Guard didn't stop him, none of that would have happened. Let the coach blow blow by you. Who cares? You just beat his team. Doesn't really matter. Guard doesn't do that. He stops him. The whole thing escalates. Then the punch gets thrown. The slap gets thrown. So I think there is some blame to be had on the Wisconsin side of things as well with, with some of those players running in. But the majority of the blame should be on Juwan Howard, and I think that's what the punishment uh, says, at least. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think that it was right to have Juwan Howard suspended for the rest of the year. Um, the rest of the year suspension sounds a lot more daunting. Um, once you know they only have five games left on the schedule, Right. But I think it was the the right amount of action from the NCAA. Um, like you were saying, I think guards should have just let Howard go and walk right past him in the handshake line. But I'm sure he didn't think just reaching out and touching him would result to Howard slapping one of his coaches and um, a couple players throwing punches. So, yeah, I, I don't think that guard should have been suspended, so I'm happy that he isn't. But I think a tiny bit of the blame can be put on him, but about 95% should go on Howard, which it seems like it has thus far because he just totally escalated the situation by going after guard um, and being trying to be intimidating once he touched him and obviously slapping that coach. But after he did that, then his Michigan players uh, started throwing out punches, which was obviously just unnecessary. So um, it's fun to watch and kind of cool that we had two fights in a week in college basketball. I don't know if you guys saw the other one at the handshake line between North Dakota State and Oral Roberts. Oh, um, I didn't. Same nope. conference that the, the Tommy's playing in the Summit Division, um, or Summit Conference. And 
I'm trying to remember what started this one, but it was kind of similar where they go, the game just ended, uh, North Dakota State won by double digits. They go to the handshake line. I can't remember what caused it or forced somebody to get upset, but there was pushing and shoving. Um, if you remember the Isaiah Stewart guy on the Pistons where he tried to run back at LeBron. Oh, yeah. Yep. A guy on Oral Roberts did something very similar where he got out of the handshake line, just kind of locked it off using like the corner of the court and then tried to run back and it was like plowing over people oh, and wow. finally got tackled to the ground. So oh my it's, it's one to look up if you haven't seen it. No, I don't know if any punches were blown. I definitely don't think landed, but just testy times this past week in college basketball. Yeah. Is this the end of the handshake line as we know it? <laughs> Hopefully be. not in the NHL. I think that's really cool. Yeah. They take their gloves off, shake each other's hands, and various, um, I don't know. It's, I think it's pretty cool what they do, but it's going away, and most NBA games you don't do it anymore, so who knows. True. Yeah. Um, other news I have. Uh, Phil Mickelson kind of on the hot seat this week. Uh, the tournament, uh, the PGA Tour was in Riviera, Southern California this week. Everybody was ripping on Phil Mickelson, who apparently is is I didn't even think this is the quote that that everyone's so upset about. And I don't even think it's that bad or even that I don't know controversial. But basically, what he's saying is we're going to use this. I don't know if you guys heard about the Saudi Golf League. So it's this uh, rumored startup league that's going to offer players like contracts rather than just getting paid based on winnings, and, and that requires you to play well. So if you don't play well on the PGA Tour, you get cut. You're not making any money that week. So what what Phil is saying is, and what this league would do, would offer the top-end players contracts, and then they would also probably have incentives to win tournaments, I assume. But the money would be based mostly on their contract, and that's where their earnings would come from. And here's the quote from Phil. Let me know what you guys think about this and how controversial it is. Uh, Talking about the Saudis, he said, they're scary MFers to get involved with. We know that they killed... Washington Post reporter Jamal Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. He continues, they've been able to get by with manipulative, coercive, strong arm tactics because we, the players, have no recourse. As nice of a guy as PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan comes across, unless you have leverage, he won't do what's right, and the Saudi money has finally given us that leverage. I'm not sure I even want the Saudi Golf League to succeed, but just the idea of it of it is allowing us to get things done with the PGA Tour. So I know you guys aren't big PGA fans or maybe elite PGA minds, and I'm not really either. Andy follows it pretty closely. I don't think that quote was all that bad. Basically, everybody in the top 10 in the world, even Tiger, Rory, John Rahm, all these guys, Tiger's not in the top 10, but big name on golf, obviously. Coming out and criticizing Phil, criticizing these comments, and I, I feel like there's not really much there. BG, I, Zach? I'm, a, I'm still a little confused. So Saudi, as in Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Correct. Is, is starting a golf league. Yep, or they're rumored and, to be starting a golf league. And they would buy pay contracts because... Because you said currently golfers don't make money unless they win or place top 10. Right. Unless you're getting sponsorships and whatnot. But in order to, if you're a 
a low-end PGA Tour guy, the only way you're making money, they have sponsorships too, but the majority of their money would come from making the cut and then therefore you get a little bit of money. But unless you and win Phil's, or get a top 10, you're not making much. Huh? And Phil was just saying that he totally against it because of how, how Saudi Arabia is. Well, no, he's, he's actually saying, so everybody else basically on, on tour have said they're against it, except yeah. for Phil. Oh. Bryson was rumored to be a part of it, although he put a statement out this week saying he has nothing to do with it. He's fully committed to the PGA Tour. Same situation with Dustin Johnson. He was rumored, puts out a statement. Basically, everyone has denounced the Saudi Golf Dude. League, and, and they okay. were rumored to have offered like Bryson DeChambeau like $100 million to come oh, play over goodness. there, and, and Phil Mickelson like $30 million. And all these other guys, like millions and millions of dollars. So we're talking big bucks. Um, and Phil, I think, is saying, let's just, let's hear him out. And then we can use that to leverage the PGA Tour to kind of fix some of the, uh, in his oh. mind, fix some of the pay structure. Now, some of the criticism has been, this is a super rich guy who's like third in earnings or maybe a little lower than that. But a career like top 10, top 15 earner all time on the PGA Tour with countless money coming from sponsorships, Workday, all these other massive companies that are paying him millions, maybe even tens of millions of dollars every year to to have him wear their logo. Uh, and so some people were saying this is just the rich on the PGA Tour trying to leverage the rules to make them even more money. And maybe even for some of the aging PGA Tour players like Phil, who doesn't win that much, he did win. Uh, he became the oldest to ever win a champ, uh, major as uh, 50-year-old dude. So some of it was rumored that that this is just Phil, who's old now and, and looking to pay it, pad his bankroll just a little bit more with some guaranteed money. And then that kind of takes the pressure off of having to play super good every week. Yeah, dude, I uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with what he said at all. Like, I don't. I think people, that's a tough one. That's, that's, I, I guess that's, I didn't know Saudi Arabia even had golf courses. Yeah. But that's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I'd probably be against that whole thing. I don't think it's a reason for anyone to be super, super upset with him about it. I understand why that's a huge deal though. Like that would be, that would change the game of golf. Wouldn't you think? Totally. Uh, well, are, are people upset with his comments because of the golf? take on it or like his take on Saudi Arabia? I don't really know. I, I mean, I should have read more into it, but just looking through some of the different stories, I, I think they're just mad that he's even considering it, like that he's giving them the time of day. I, I think that's what they're mad about. I Because I don't know why so many of these top 10 players in the world and, and so many of the big names in golf are just instantly flocking back to the PGA Tour. Maybe they have been good to the, to the players, I guess. I, I don't know. It seems like he was bashing the crap out of Saudi Arabia, though, in his comments. But then I guess I didn't realize that he circled around to being like, let's hear him out. Um, yeah, well, I don't I guess he never really said that explicitly. And this is coming from a guy who's writing a, a book. So the, the quote came from a his name is Alan Shipnuck. Kind of a weird last name. But Alan Shipnuck is writing a book on Phil Mickelson, like an autobiography um, with Phil. So he's been with him and he's traveling with him. And it's set to come out in May. Uh, and this was just one of the days they were talking, I guess. And so this hmm. this is what where that came from. But, yeah, who knows? Phil Mickelson on the hot seat uh, a little bit. So we'll see if he's back to playing any majors this year, if he's even ever allowed to play on PGA Tour again. Maybe they'll just ban him. I don't know. That'd be kind of weird. But uh, a few other things to talk about. We're running out of time here on the Zoom. 
might have to just restart a fresh one because I do want to talk about half pipe. Um, and then I have one St. Thomas news, but Olympics wrapping up. We haven't really talked about it at all. The only thing I think was really the, the only must see thing of the Olympics this year was the half pipe competition. Uh, Sean White's final uh, half pipe competition, I think, at least Olympic competition. He came in fourth, and it was kind of clear that he was aged out a little bit. I mean, there was those Japanese guys who were flying into the air, and it was, I know you both watched it, incredible, incredible tricks, and like the height they were getting above the half-pipe lip, they broke an all-time record, one of them did, 24 feet uh, above the lip, and it was just insane to see those guys. Now, I think it was a Japanese guy who ended up winning it, but the other two Japanese guys who didn't finish in, in uh, on the podium were just going crazy. Every trick was bigger than the next, and they were just putting up these massive airs. And to listen to the commentators and the, and the different lingo they have for that uh, is just incredible. Go ahead. Um, yeah, that was that was probably the most exciting half pipe I've seen since Sean White. Well, maybe that was the last half pipe I saw. Of Sean White. Oh, the, last Sean, the, the last Olympics. Yeah. Craziest half pipe competition in the Olympics since the last one. Um, <laughs> it was super cool, though, to see um, Sean White get to the final. Or, I, technically, he's not a finals, but he. Oh, well, yeah. There was a finals. Yeah. There is a finals. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird how they do it, but he, you know, fourth place at his age doing all those tricks in the air. It's not like he's super old or anything, but I think he's in mid 30s. It's unbelievable, and and I just I was very sad to see him get really emotional about it. And dude is a legend. I mean, we ever since we started snowboarding in the backyard, you know, knew about Sean White, and he's an inspiration to so many. Um, but it looked like there was a new wave of dudes coming through. That just looked that looked like a video game quality stuff what they were doing. I think it was the first time anyone's put down two triple corks in a run. I think it was, I think he did three. Did he or no, three? no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. He, triple cork. Yes. No, he, two, he two triple that. corks. Yes. Two triple corks. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. I remember when Sean was doing the double cork and I had to look it up again and it's a uh, triple cork is three flips with a very varying number of diagonal rotations. Um, and if they said if there's a number after the trick, it relates to the degree of the trick. So the triple cork 1440 and they were talking about this during one of the, I think the Japanese guy did the, at least, I think it was at least one of the tr- triple cork 1440, four full rotations and three off axis flips. So I, that even still a little confusing, but that's, I mean, it's unbelievable what they were doing. And uh, the thing that was so crazy, I thought they thought the judges were, um, you know, trying to fix the, fix the competition. Now Australian guy was in first place. And he was really good, but this this Japanese guy threw down. I think it was that run where he had two triple corks in in a row, and all the uh, the announcers were like, "Oh my goodness, gold's his!" Like it was a second run. He's like, "It's no one can beat that." That was the best thing I ever seen, Boa. And they gave him a ninety-one, which put him in second. And mm-hmm. they were all up in arms about it. And then so instead of just you know get super pissed off and you know fall down and collapse and just complain, dude throws down an even better run on his third one. And Brady, I think you're beat there. Uh, Brady won. You were saying, <laughs> I don't know, Brady. Uh, you I were think that helps clarify. Pretty <laughs> Anyone who's listening, I think uh, <laughs> you, you were saying that um, it was one of the highest scored hot pipe events ever. 
Um, I think that's what you mentioned, right? Uh, record height out of the half. Of, oh, it probably height. was one of the highest scored ever. I don't know. Yeah, record height. What what was the height again? Twenty four four. I want to say. Dude. And it was a couple weeks ago now, it's but nuts. It, I think one of my favorite parts, not only watching Sean White and cheering him on and he only got fourth, but it was still fun to watch him and all the emotion and whatnot. But the other awesome thing is just listening to the color commentator uh, talk about all the different moves and like what they're called. And he's like, oh, a huge Japan grab. And I'm just sitting there just laughing because everything is different and it all looks the same to, to the <laughs> yeah. untrained eye. But it, it's just like, oh, what, look at that Toyota grab. Like, I've never seen a Toyota grab like that. That's sweet. Yeah. And, and it have just, no idea if he was just messing with us. Oh, he totally could have been too. <laughs> True. But that is. And the, same, mm-hmm. the thing though too is that he was so just like a kid in a candy shop. It's like he's just, uh, we have no idea what he's talking about. He's just going, losing his mind. He's probably the happiest guy ever to have that job he has. Yeah. Talking about tricks that, n- that nobody knows that's watching it. Not, not nobody, but yeah, yeah that's a, yeah, it's such I, a cool, cool event. I love it when there's like the, the half pipes and then the, the skateboarding events, just similar events where you get the announcers and they totally just sound like surfer dudes who mm-hmm. just are in their van broadcasting, rolled up a blunt, and then they're... <laughs> broadcasting the olympics um just because i feel like it's skateboarding and snowboarding is just like a community like that like laid back and um just makes me kind of think of surf stuff <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly <laughs> yeah definitely some some very entertaining commentary coming out of the snowboarding surfing skateboarding community just hysterical and even well i won't go there but did you guys watch any mono bob did you see any of that you actually did. That that is an awesome new sport. Uh, I guess not really a new sport, but a new addition of bobsledding. And it's crazy how much they move when they're just in the single bobsled or the mono bob because they don't have nearly as much weight or whatever. So the the sled is like on some turn just slamming into the wall. They don't have a good exit. And it's just crazy. And it's, they, they they add up all the runs, so I, I wish they wouldn't do it like that. I wish it would just be like your fastest run because then I think some other – there'd be a little bit more parity in the competition. Some other lower-level teams would have a chance. They have one good run to, uh, you know, maybe win a gold or whatever. But the mono bob and just bob in general, super entertaining. Probably my one of my second favorite other than the half pipe. Um, do you guys catch any other events or anything else Olympic-related? <laughs> No joke. Apparently, a guy's penis froze in the uh, uh, one of the cross country ski races. And I heard about I that can, actually. You know, a couple of those before I heard that. Just heard that recently. Um, I think that's craziness. I don't know what that means, but they said they were like trying to thaw it out, like with uh, heat bags, whatever a heat bag is. That's what they said they were using. Mm. Um, pretty wild. Okay. Pretty crazy what those guys will do for the sport. Yeah. And I heard that it was before the race even started. Um, he, he said it, it was frozen basically, and he still competed, which is incredible. I don't know oh. how long the race was, but those aren't short races. I mean, those are no, like, 30 kilometers. It was 30 kilometers. Yeah. Well, I don't know how many miles that is, but uh, I don't know, like 23, maybe I'm going to guess 23. Just a grueling. Imagine grueling, just pull it, pushing yourself 23 miles on skis. It could He's be totally f- less than that. So, well, it's a 5K. 5K. Well, a mile is 2.5. Oh, no, no. And 
Is it's a mile 2.54 kilometers or is an inch 2.54 centimeters? Oh, maybe the, maybe the centimeter thing. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. I think a 5K is about three miles, so... Three, yeah, times that by so it'd be about eight, a little over eighteen miles, I guess, not quite twenty three, but yeah, that's in, insane. Absolutely. How insane. did the men's hockey team do? We lost in the quarterfinals. Um, we were per, we were three and zero, and then we, I think, lost in a shootout to Slovakia. No, uh, I think Finland. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say Finland uh, ended up winning the gold over Russia, which is a huge upset in their that's first ever cool. gold. Yeah, so that was really sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then we get third or fourth? No, I think it'd be technically that eighth through fifth round or fifth place, fifth, sixth, seventh. So we lost third. in the semifinals and we didn't play in the third place game? No, so so like there'd be eight teams left to go and we lost in that game to get to the fourth place game. Oh, okay. or, I'm sorry, to get to the final four teams. The and final then, four, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we missed that whole bracket there, which or that which is which is really too bad because we had a great, we had a good team. I don't think we were, I don't think we could have won. I don't know if we were gold medal good. Um, I think Russia, I'm very surprised Russia didn't win it. They got a bunch of KHL guys that um, which people consider the second best hockey league in the world, XNHL. They were all playing as big, big upset, which is pretty sweet. Did Finland have any pros? Uh, uh, a couple, couple guys in the NHL that used to play in the NHL, so they're probably in their late 30s. Um, I think Koivu's from Finland. Miko Koivu. I don't know if he was playing. Maybe he's from Sweden. Uh, I'm trying to think. Miko Net. Net. Oh, what's his name? That's pretty cool though. Taking down the Russians for gold. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it is. They have a couple of NHL good stars. For the world. Yeah. It is good for the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now Poon's about to go to war though to get back. He's a big hockey fan, so yeah, he's going to be upset. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to go through Ukraine to get to Finland. Yep. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Stepping stone. Um, all right, moving on from Olympics, unless anybody has anything else Olympic-related. Okay. Uh, I just saw this a couple hours ago, and it was a tweet from a Fox 9 reporter, I want to say, local sports reporter, or maybe just reporter in general. Um, but he said St. Thomas offered to buy the town and country golf course in St. Paul, uh, which is pretty close to campus, just maybe a block or two uh, towards the city, but big stretch of land. I don't know how many acres, but a lot. Um, They offered the town and country golf course $61.4 million to to buy the the land and then eventually build a new sporting complex. And I heard that they were even thinking about buying, and maybe they already are, uh, for something else, but they're going to buy some of the Ford Parkway uh, plant that is in St. Paul. It's been abandoned for who knows how long, but uh, since we were there at school and before that. But anyway, St. Thomas trying to buy a bunch of land in St. Paul, build a new, hopefully, basketball uh, arena, maybe even a new football stadium. Could be some uh, some good real estate for, for the Tommies who are in a landlocked area of St. Paul. Uh, but it also could help the the programs quite a bit, the basketball, football, all the other programs with recruiting. If you get a brand-new arena, if you get a new uh, stadium, you get more ability to bring in fans, and that, that could be a, uh, a huge stepping stone for St. Thomas moving into some national relevancy uh, with their big jump to D1. I don't know if you saw that, BG. But no, I didn't. I didn't hear about that, but that's awesome. Yeah. Um, is, that, is that golf course, is that the one on Creighton Avenue? Yep. 
yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be awesome. Obviously a lot of land there to use up and it's super close to campus, like just a block off of the southwesternmost part of campus, or I guess the Northwest, however you're looking at it, but, um, that would, that'd be awesome, uh, to have, to have access to a, like a bigger venue, bigger stadium, just a block off campus. Cause like you said, there's, it's really hard to come by new land um, that's not in the existing St. Thomas area. So um, I think that if the sale goes through, that'd be just sweet and another big step that St. Thomas has to make to continue being a better D1 school and to compete with the U of M in the coming years. Um, oh, yeah. I think the, the Ford plant, I mean, it'd be cool if we could get either one of them. The Ford plant is just – a lot longer of a commute compared to the golf course where you could easily just walk over to a game where right the floor plan you probably have to drive or something. So no, that's um, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not, it's not walking distance from St. Thomas is the Ford plan. So yeah, that would be definitely a better area. I don't think there's been any word from town and country, whether they're even considering the offer, but um, it was at least leaked to some of the local media could be big, could be big for the Tommies. Um, last segment, Zach, I should have mentioned this to you before we started recording, but we doing a little mega church talker segment here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, if we got some time and we, we got some time. Talk about um, yeah. For those lucky few who've held on this long here, we Mill- got some millions. Yeah. Now you can turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about to, about to blast, uh, blast the, uh, integrity of this this mega church in air quotes um no it's actually real air it's it's let me let me just start over here um <laughs> real air quotes real, it's a real mega church on air quote real mega church um just not a big fan of it and uh, i prepared something for it i'm not going to go on script here i'm going to go a little off script um but essentially there's going to be a big mega church called Eagle Brook. And I know I got a good buddy, not going to name names here that, that I believe goes there. And so, and he's also listening to the pod. I feel very bad. Um, but the thing about it is that they're going to try to build it in a neighborhood close by, um, where BG and I, you know, our old stomping grounds, not too, not too close by a little little ways away from there, but, but anyway, kind of near around that area. Anyway, they're going to put a huge one in, take out this marshland um, put like a 60,000 square foot church in there. And the, there's a couple real kickers about this one is that there's not even going to be a real pastor there, a live pastor. They, they all watch from a screen. Um, and so it just begs to begs the question, why can't they just use a rec center or the, um, or like a high school? I think they're currently using that. Why is that a high school is their, their, uh, place of worship. Cause they just watch their, watch the screen and there's like a, I think it's in White Bear Lake or something, the regular pastors. Anyway, the, the reason I think this is just such a, these mega churches, man, Bill, we were talking a little bit about it. It's these guys, it's these, there, there's a couple of reasons why these mega church starts, these mega churches start. Um, one reason is that they didn't, the original founders didn't really agree with the faith. Um, whatever faith they belong to this, this church, for example, that started in the 1940s in someone's basement and they're, uh, they derived from the Baptist church, um, which Baptists were part of the, I think, um, what do you call it? Reformation or the, 
Um, Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, the, the Reformation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was one of those one of those churches that broke out from the Catholic Church. This they've got a couple different viewpoints that are very different from Catholicism. Um, but they broke off like 1600s or something, and they basically don't believe that they should be baptized as as infants. They should be baptized. They think they should be baptized when they're conscious adults and be able to make their own decisions. And a couple different differences. Anyway, so essentially, they didn't agree with their that faith, so they went into their basement. And they started their own faith. And it just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. So so you could look at it as like, okay, they didn't agree with it. They thought their own way was the right way. And, you know, that never really usually works out in history of these people going off. It seems kind of cultish. Mm-hmm. The second reason I think it connects to this, I think it's even a bigger deal, is that these mega churches are just founded on people that want to make money. Um, it's it's There's so many examples of this. This guy named Kenneth Copeland, who's, um, it's like a, what is it called? It's ironic. It's Eagle something church. It's Eagle. I'll look it up here. Yeah. Let me, let me try to think. I Eagle mountain international church founded it in the late sixties. The guy's worth around a billion dollars. He's a pastor. Um, he has a couple private jets, some huge houses. And his, his claim was that God told him that to be, that he should be very, very, very wealthy. Um, one of these things. And he's, you know, an evangelist. So so he goes around and tells people and spreads the word of God, but so, so falsely is that nowhere in the Bible that he ever got, God said that a better chance for a camel to pass the eye of a, a needle than a rich man to make it into heaven or something along those lines of these guys that are just flaunting their money. I mean, it's all right. You have good to have money, you know, you need money in this world, but to have a billion dollars and to, to have multiple jets and huge castles and bunch of lands. He's got a bunch of houses and a huge, huge complex in Texas to preach, preach God's word. And on those premises, on those, uh, on the premise of that, he thinks he should be rich and people should be all these. It's just total blasphemy. And the fact that this guy, so this, and this is something that's been, there's since these churches are their own like religious entities. I don't think they're, obligated to share how much they do really make. But the pastor of this Eagle Brook church retired about five years ago. And like I said, I can't this, I, I want to be very clear that I'm not sure at all what he makes, but there's a source online that said that he had, he was worth $26 million as pastor. Um, the, you know, there's people that could overturn that claim. I'd love to hear it because I'd, I'd really intrigued to know how much they make and, what that actually is about. Because if you think about it, faith should be something, religion should be something that you, that some guy in, in the poorest of the poor regions of the world can pick up and, you know, and relate with and be, they, they the Eagle book they've stayed around. They were found in like Woodbury or White Bear Lake and they have not made it into the cities and they, you know, it's been going on since the forties and there's not, no parishes even close to Minneapolis or St. Paul. They're all in these rich, rich suburban, suburban area, suburb, suburb areas. They've got these like kiosks that people put their credit cards into to donate money to the, the church. And it's just like, it just seems like a huge scam dude. But again, as I said, I feel very bad because I know some people that go there and I, 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 I won't, well, I won't, I won't. I'll step in here, Zach. I've just been doing a little yeah, research do. here. Rambling. It I'm looks rambling. like they have about 10 locations now. Some pretty incredible buildings. I think most of them look like schools, um, mm-hmm. but it looks like they have their own one built up in Ham Lake, 
Yeah, it looks like they use the Wyzetta High School currently, but it's Woodbury, yeah. White Bear Lake, Lionel Lakes, Rochester, Spring Lake Park, Wyzetta Lakeville, Ham Lake, Blaine, and Anoka. Um, but yeah, just some of the videos they have, and I don't know if you, I know you haven't seen this show actually, Zach, but BG, you have uh, the clips they have like on their website, it's just like a little reel of different videos playing. It looks like B roll from the Righteous Gemstones. <laughs> like they're, <laughs> like it looks like they're at a rock concert. They got like all these lights going everywhere and like a very elaborate stage with like big LED screens behind them that have the words on them. There's like four guitarists, yeah, <laughs> like two, two uh, drummers. There's like a saxophone player. There's like keyboard players. <laughs> they got like all the mics and everything. And it looks like a scene out of the Righteous Gemstones. Everyone's got their hands up. <laughs> it's because it's, it's, it's a mega church. Like, it's for these mega. Ch- they're they're they want to entertain people instead of bring them to the faith. And that's not what those two aren't. They aren't mutually exclusive, but they certainly aren't. You know. It's not all that you don't go to church to be entertained. And that's something that I've kind of just been figuring out recently here, trying to get dive back into the faith and that I think growing up way too much, I just could not stand going to church because it was so boring. I was never entertained. And, you know, that's not the reason um, that people go to church or one should go to church to be entertained. I think it's the, you know, and we don't need to dive into the lecture about this right now, but um yeah, it just those those the issues I have with that are just so. It just seems so. What's the word? Un. I'm trying to think of a word better than fake. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it just seems so like unrealistic, un untruthful. Un, it just I don't know. Yeah. I, I and I'd like to be proven wrong. Maybe it is a everyone. If, if people, if the money is going to the right places, but I don't think it is because I think it's been 10 buildings. I think there's about five or six locations with multi-million dollar um, churches that they've built. And like I said, there's only one pastor. He's got a lot of different helpers, I think, but there's only that one centralized location and they show a screen. I don't understand the point of that at all. It's supposed to be a community feel, but to, you know, a church is supposed to bring a sense of community. How can people support your mission, Zach? Uh, oh, they, I'm glad you asked, man. Thanks for keeping me on track. There's a petition actually going around. Um, and I don't know how we would send, I can, I can try to look up, uh, what it would be called, what, what we could search two seconds here. Uh, they can, they can, uh, send a message to either you or to the wake and take podcast, uh, yeah. social medias. And I, I can forward them Gene, that we'll, uh, petition. We'll put your name down on change.org for a $10 donation to the wake. There we go. <laughs> Amen. So it's, yeah, it's, it's on change.org. It's the no Eagle Brook church on the Minnetonka. Why is that a border? Um, Can you tell us about uh, what they're trying to build? Yep. They're trying to build a 60,000 square foot facility that seats 1200 people as a kid center, as a, a 550 car parking structure. Oh, nice. Um, is there going to be a private yeah. airstrip too in case the, it, yeah, the there's going to be a helicopter pad. <laughs> oh, the helicopter pad. Okay, good. So no, no, I, as a request by the neighbors, the, the pastor, neighbors, yeah. the pastor needs yeah, to get in and out. So how is he going to do that? Exactly. That's a good point. And it's in a residential area. Like it's literally in the neighborhood, like kind of a, a distance away from Brady and I's house, but sign it kind of the same, uh, you know, we went to school with a lot of those folks. So, it's just, uh, it's a bummer. It's really, a, really a bummer that it has to come to this. And I hope, 
that these uh, help people just realize this, how maybe if I just stop hitting on the church here and just saying like they're tearing up whatever they would put in there. It's a, it's a wetland. It's a, it's an area that shouldn't be touched and Minnetonka just sells out, man. There it's just a calling card to, to sell out every little piece of untouched land to go build on places. And that's what I'm sick of the twin cities are doing that. Those suburb suburban places. Um, now it's just become a full on rant. So no. I'm going to be done. <laughs> I think that's a, I think that was a great message. Zach. Well, well said. <laughs> well stated and i think uh, a very good message indeed Thank we'll you. end it there a lot to talk about uh, next week as well stuff we didn't get to and i'm sure that's going to be another crazy week for the vikings so we'll see you guys all that